welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. And today I'd like to talk about auditory processing. Auditory processing is huge. It is maybe not as big as autism, but I will say it rivals it. It is, um, I don't want to say a beast, but it can be quite challenging and challenging to deal with, challenging to work with, challenging to figure it out. It's nebulous. It's, is it this? Is it that? It's, that's what I mean, kind of beastly. So I'm going to attempt to share what I know about auditory processing and all of its tentacles and how it gets into different areas of the life, attention and reading and communicating and listening and all the areas of speech and language that it affects, um, how it can it can also affect behavior. It it really does go everywhere. And this is not limited to kids. Obviously, kids grow up. So as adults, um, this is pretty prevalent as well. I've worked with adult clients who are dealing with this. And obviously, as an adult, you're going to be able to incorporate strategies better and have more awareness of what's going on for you. But it's it's has an emotional impact on not only the person's self-esteem, but on relationships. You know, it can I've worked with people who it has an impact on the marriage, it has an impact on parent-child relationships. So auditory processing is a big deal. Now, I don't want to scare anybody because just like autism, it's a spectrum. So it can be where it's easily managed. Um, and it also is dependent upon personality style, coping mechanisms, all of these things factor into it. You know, I always say we're human and it, things are complicated and they get messy, but we always figure out how to sort things through. So the nature of um, being human is very evident, very um, apparent in our speech and our language skills, because that's what we're giving to the world. That's how people know us. So when we have any sort of speech and language learning disability that's impacting our speech and language, or I'm being redundant now, here's me having a moment, then obviously it's it's going to be um, communicated to the world that way. And there's going to be a struggle. So that's where we come in to help. So with that big preamble behind me, I'll get into it. All right. So auditory processing. Okay. So one thing to know, we all get distracted. We all get overwhelmed, overstimulated, and tired. So that's universal. That happens. Now, it does affect our ability to pay attention and respond. But when someone has auditory processing deficits, these difficulties are constant. So it's not just when we're tired or when we're overwhelmed. They're having this experience all the time. And, you know, having the experience is a vicious cycle. So having the experience then tires them out, then distracts them. So it gets really tricky. Um, and I have a lot of empathy for anyone going through this difficulty, especially when you're young, because you can't, you can't see what's going on. You don't know, you don't have awareness of how to manage it. And there are tools and strategies and there's ways to retrain the brain so that life and learning can become easier. And I'll, I'll talk about those. So um, we always like to joke like, um, oh, my partner or my kid, oh, they have selective hearing. When they want to hear me, they hear when they don't, you know, so that's kind of a running joke. But when we're talking about auditory processing, um, it's not so much about hearing, it's about processing, right? So 
One thing I notice with kids is that they're having trouble reading or following directions, or if they say, huh, or they say what all of the time, they really don't, they really don't get it. They don't understand what you're saying, what's going on. Um, then auditory processing can definitely be the culprit. So, um, on American Speech Hearing Association uh, website, they do have a laundry list of some symptoms of central auditory processing deficit or CAPD as it's called. And I'll just share some of those with you. Uh, let's see here. We have difficulty localizing some sound, understanding spoken language and complete messages, especially when there's noisy background or um, environments that um, create like a reverb of sound. Uh, requests for repetitions are always, like I was saying, saying what or huh. Difficulty comprehending and following rapid speech. Now, I notice this a lot because I speak quickly. And so with students, I obviously don't speak this quickly when I'm working with someone who has auditory processing deficits. And I do all of the, you know, all of the good strategies that you're supposed to be doing with someone, you know, repetition and rephrasing and slowing down and checking for attention, all those kind of things that we use in school and um, with clients. So um, you notice that you would notice that either if it's yourself experiencing it, or if it's a child experiencing it, you notice that when it gets faster and more complicated, they really are having a breakdown. I mean, and it's a breakdown. They just don't know. Sometimes you'll notice, especially when they're really little, they have difficulty learning songs or nursery rhymes, or they misunderstand messages. It's like sarcasm or jokes. They're just not getting it. Because, you know, the way I describe it to uh, parents and kids, is it's like if you're traveling to a foreign country and you know just a tiny amount of the language and the rest is like whole. So you're getting like bits and pieces. So you really do miss the content. You might be able to get one word here, one word there and try to piece it together. And a lot of times they're working so hard to figure it out. So um, that's something that you notice. And that's where that fatigue comes in. And um, people with auditory processing deficits, they have difficulty paying attention. Like I was saying, they get distracted. And a lot of times there's an associated reading, spelling, and learning problems. And I see this a lot in my practice. I work with kids and teaching them how to read, uh, working with spelling issues, and that is uh, often the root cause of things. Now, it doesn't have to be. So that's what you you really, we really need to sort that out because there is... Um, you know, it is, I don't want to say, uh, you have to tease through, is it attention deficit disorder? What's going on? You know, that's a big one. The ADD factor, whether it's inattentive or hyperactive type, you do have to sort that through because those can have this, the very same laundry list of symptoms. Um, what you want to think about is the severity of the deficit that exists. And that's where we target how to treat you know, if it's if it's mild, we do such and such intervention. Then if it's heavier, we get more team members involved and we have to do more heavy hitting. And it can be noticeable, you know, when they're little, when they're in pre-K, like I was saying, maybe they couldn't learn the nursery rhymes or maybe not till they're an adult, you know, so some people don't notice it until a specific demand is on them. Or maybe what I've actually seen a few times is the spouse says, they're saying, oh, my, you know, it's really affecting my marriage. I'm having these difficulties. Can you, can you help me? Because uh, the spouse is getting frustrated. So, you know, a parent is much more forgiving in a lot of ways. But when you get into a relationship or maybe with friends of a certain age, then they're less forgiving because it's normal, right? We're, we're now in the real world and and uh, no one's compensating for you. So you're expected to show up in your full glory. and 
that's, you know, what happens. So um, we work with people at that age as well. Um, One thing to think about is that, you know, when the environment is very stimulating, so just to, you know, make adjustments here uh, for your child or for yourself, that that is really impacting. There's an overwhelming stimuli from a background noise and these multiple inputs of sound. They can create agitation and distraction for someone who has uh, auditory processing deficits. And what we notice is that the person starts to get fidgety and then they, you know, from having to listen and then, or maybe they'll space out. They're getting fidgety or they're spacing out. They fatigue, they're trying to escape into tasks that don't require active listening. So sometimes people say, oh, he's just being a typical teenager. He or she being a typical teenager, they just, you know, zoning out. But are they or are they not? You know, that's something to just sort through. And as parents, you know, you always want to track and see what's going on, stay in touch. And you're, you know, you're always looking at the patterns of what's happening, what's changing, what's staying the same, because every age presents a different developmental challenge and um, and positive experience as well. Um, also, just to add to that, that sometimes the words might be mispronounced and the reading, I mentioned the reading, definitely the reading, but the words might be mispronounced when they're speaking. And that's because they're not getting the input all the way. So therefore the output. Now, what to do? Um, you want to get a hearing test to rule out hearing loss. That's the very first step. So if hearing is good and all of these, a lot of these symptoms on that laundry list check are uh, are happening, then you want to think about, okay, maybe we're dealing with something like auditory processing. And that's where you're trying to figure out, okay, attention deficit versus auditory processing. So you're going through that, down that, a rabbit hole, but eventually you can get a sense of things. Either way, there's going to be a lot of similarity uh, in how it's treated. But, um, you know, when it, when, you know, push comes to shove, but there are differences in how we approach a child with their having ADD versus auditory processing. Um, and what I want to say is at school, there are certain ways that you can um, target the environment. And then at home, we can do some similar and different things. So what to do at school? Uh, in the school setting, there's, you can do a psychoeducational evaluation. And this is administered to determine if there is a disorder according to educational standards. And if so, what accommodations or modifications can be put in place to support your child's access to the curriculum for their learning needs. Now, in a um, public school setting, something to keep in mind is that there are eligibility criteria. So in a public school setting, they will test if it looks like, I mean, they, it will test if it looks like their uh, academics are being adversely impacted. Now, if the child is a straight A student, they may be more reluctant to test because in a public school setting, the disability has to adversely impact educational performance. And if it does not, then they're like, well, they're doing fine. And then the parent says, well, they have to do, they're up till 1 a.m. And then da, 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 da. So it's a real, it's kind of a bugaboo in that regard. So just to be aware of that. And then sometimes in that case, uh, whether and if they're not at a public school and there's no psychoeducational evaluation available, then people pursue private evaluations. And those can get a bit costly, but um, you know, if you want to know, then the, those are the two routes that people typically take. So let's say they get diagnosed and they have um, auditory processing deficit. And then we want to go on to the classroom and how people can improve, improve uh, classroom acoustics. Now, 
it might not be that the classroom can improve, you know, on their own, but you can make suggestions to the teacher uh, or to an administrator and see what they would do to support this. Um, a lot of people, um, of course, people in a school want the child to learn. They want them to be successful. So what they want and kind of what budgetary situations allow is always you know, a little bit of a rub. But you can see how you can work with your team at school um, in getting some uh, carpet or drapes or furniture in the room to help absorb sound so that the background noise is less and there's less reverb. Uh, what you can also do is have the child have preferential seating. That's a big one to do. They're sitting in the front of the class or close to the teacher during instruction. You want to also see if they can sit away from the windows and doors because that's, you know, where more sound would come in and then check for understanding verbally, really, you know, looking at them in the eye, making sure you have their attention and saying, did you get that? And then what I often do is ask them to, you know, repeat without being, you know, being mindful of how they're feeling, not making them repeat everything you say. But um, did you get that? Oh, what did you what did you get? And do you know what to do? And, you know, kind of having them narrate maybe what they have to do. If I knew that it might be a more complex instruction or something like that. Um, it's also helpful to give them a slight tap on the arm or the shoulder or the back to redirect them back to the task. Because like I said before, they could be inattentive and get distracted. Maybe they're spacing out. And so you want to make sure that they stay engaged so they get the instruction. Um, and also the strategies that I named before that are pretty like, I mean, we use them just so second nature, teachers and staff and, uh, and um, speech therapists any educator, actually, they repeat, they rephrase, they establish the eye contact, and then they allow time for responding. And that's what you'd want to do at home as well. And also visual aids, written instruction, visual cues paired with the auditory information really helps increase the understanding. And it just eases that burden, you know, the exhaustive factor. If there's a visual, a lot of, you'll hear like, Almost every person who has auditory processing deficits say that visual, they're really good visually. It's a great support. Um, another thing you want to do is build in breaks. So they're processing, 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 and then oh, they get a break and you know they're fatiguing more easily. So you want to just work those in here and there. And it's very individualized based on personality and age. So you want to just see how often they need to go. Some some people need every 10 minutes, some people need just once an hour or once every half hour. So it just is highly individualized. Another thing that a teacher can do um, is they can use an amplification. So they wear a microphone and then they and then the listener has a headset and then they can have that focus on the message that the teacher is giving. And that really helps for increased understanding of the auditory information. So that covers it, you know, at school, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of accommodations that we can put in at school and at home, what to do at home. Uh, well, first of all, you want to make sure that you have your child's attention. I know that can be difficult sometimes. <laughs> hey, hey, listen to what I'm saying. But face to face is really important because, you know, they need that visual support. And um, another thing you can do it, I'll say more about uh, fast forward in a minute. A lot. I get a lot of um calls and emails about their child using fast forward to support auditory processing. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but kind of in line with that is using apps and, and games to support active listening, auditory memory and sequencing skills. So there are some 
uh, some that I use that's auditory memory ride or auditory workout or multi-step directions, some, some apps like that. And those aren't going to really, um, they're not going to fix anything, but they're going to help as part of the retraining and focus and build in a little bit of skill set. So, um, you know, some kids, <laughs> some kids say that, uh, well, my video games, you know, are helping me with my attention. And that could be, I'm not going to say it doesn't, you know, I'm not a huge proponent of video games at all, but, um, you know, it's, it's stress relief for kids. They enjoy it and it, it does create some sustained attention. So it's, it's not completely horrible. I'll say <laughs> enough on that topic. Um, when they're younger and kind of going, you know, throwback to some uh, earlier times, pre-video game, there's things like Simon Says or Telephone, you know, the game Telephone, uh, naming outside noises or what they hear in any given place. They can also practice clapping syllables to words or sorting sounds, similar sounds like S and Z, K and G, T and D, M and N and ing, and then P and B. Those are similar sounding phonemes. And so they can try to sort those. That wouldn't be as fun as playing a video game, but it's very helpful, I will say. Um, another thing parents can do is comprehension checks. So what happened today? You know, And of course, if it's a teenager, they're going to be like, nothing, nothing. They're not going to say anything. But <laughs> you can do it as an exercise. Um, tell me what went on the day, today. And you can read a story together if they're little. And you can make sure they're using those WH questions naming what was bought at the store or what errands they did or what mu the music and talk about the lyrics or making up and talking about poems. There's, I mean, it's endless, just different ways to do comprehension checks, even with movies or TV, having them do a retail or something like that. Um, as far as academics go, you can have a review and preview of lessons. We do that a lot in school. And I do it also with, with some clients who are working on academic skills and uh, use vocabulary, reinforcing basic concepts. You want to make sure you're choosing books at their reading level, and then you discuss the story or information related to that book specifically. And one thing that comes up a lot um, is this phonological skill development. Because of those similar sounding phonemes, it's going to impact the reading and writing. And not necessarily speaking in the same way, but it does impact their content of speech. So we use high interest material or school material in sessions, and it helps to discuss what they're learning or current events in the world. Current events can be fun for kids. There's all kinds of current events. I like to focus on some positive current events, things that people are doing to be helpful or compassionate or useful or in innovative or imaginative. And that creates a spark in them in addition to learning about it. And that's fun. It's much more interesting than some of the doom and gloom that we have circulating around us all of the time. Um, another helpful thing that you can do at home is to have a routine. When there's daily structure and predictability, that really, really helps someone who's feeling less uh, structured in their inner world. You can organize the backpack and the binders each night. I find that kids who have auditory processing difficulties have really messy binders and really messy backpacks. So that is helpful for them, gives them a sense of, I know, like a locus of control. And um, you can develop a system of checking in with their teachers and creating the schedule for school and home and kind of interlink it and then use these checklists when it's appropriate or when it's helpful. Those are all things that, you know, you're creating an external, internal um, sync. You're getting in sync with that. 
and you want to make it as cohesive and clear and simple as possible for kids between the school environment and the home environment. Um, and then lastly, what I'll, I'll mention is uh, computer-based training. So I work with Fast Forward, and um, I've been a licensed provider with them since I started my practice in 2015, but I've worked with them since Fast Forward's inception in 1997. Oh my gosh. So I was in graduate school at that time, and it was just starting, and uh, it was local here in California. Now it's all over the world. And I've watched it change over the years. And it's just, I think it's a fabulous tool. It really helps with attention, memory, and sequencing. A lot of the cognitive skills that we need, you know, sustained attention, um, the differentiation of phonemes, and it provides this base that we need to have in order to read well or to listen well and to function well in communication. Uh, I wouldn't say it's a panacea, but for some people it is actually. Um, but it it works on a spectrum like everything else. It's just a really excellent tool. And um, I think it creates a lot of empowerment with kids when they do well. So, yeah. And it, and the success also depends on uh, motivation, motivation and consistency. So there's a lot of built-in, you know, uh, tools we use to keep kids engaged and whatnot. But um with the uh, fast forward, it really works on all of those skills. And also, also I'll say in addition, um, Grammar and syntax and vocabulary development are thrown in there as well. It's it's really just a wonderful tool. I can't say enough good things about it. So um, yeah, with that, I think you know I covered a lot of the the big points about auditory processing. It really is a huge um, thing to have to navigate. But once you get in the get the hang of it, you know, and get the swing of things. It really, you can find your way and it's just like a river. Then you just kind of start flowing with it and using your tools and your skills. And then just like everything else, it just becomes a part of you and you know how to sail on with it and be successful. And that's what we really, really want for every child and every person is to just feel confident and secure and happy and successful. So uh, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or on any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com. 